Hello, welcome back to Dice Bro Talks OD&D. Uh, let's see, what are we doing today? Sorry about the long hiatus, but I uh, had some things I needed to do. But I'm back, and what am I interested in today? I'm interested in the wilderness part of the game, and hex maps. And I think today, just briefly, I'm going to discuss... Uh, how I've been creating some interesting hex maps uh, just uh, with a, a 12-sided die and some hex paper. Uh, if you don't have any hex paper, you can go to a website called In Incompet Incompetech. Incomp it's like incompetent, but it's Incompetech. Anyway, look it up. You can get all kinds of graph paper and hex paper and paper for all kinds of, all kinds of things. Anyway, so I've got some um, hex paper and a 12-sided die. And uh, so uh, in the uh, Underworld and Wilderness Adventures, which is volume three of the three booklets that were published in 1974, there, uh, what page? The, uh, the Wilderness Game. There's a section on Wilderness Wandering Monsters. And the terrain type is pretty interesting. We've got a list of clear uh, wandering monsters that you can encounter in a clear hex, which I assume would be kind of like maybe just, you know, grasslands with, you know, a dotted grove of trees here and there. Then there's the woods, which would be, well, forested areas, rivers, swamp, mountains, which I imagine would include hilly lands too, and then the desert. So uh, the swamp would be kind of your moist wetland areas and the desert of course would be the ultra dry uh, uh sort of a uh, desolate uh areas um if you didn't want to get uh, uh into sand uh you know there <laughs> you can have sand you can have just places where there's very places where the the flora and fauna are, are just there's just not much there you can have that in the in a really warm place or a cold place too and then there's a last city. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven options there. And city uh, is pretty interesting. City encounters. Um, but uh, but we're just talking about the hex map here. And so, so the book doesn't really tell you uh, how to generate the hex map. They just refer you to the outdoor survival game as a, as a, uh, as a way to, uh, as a way to play. But what if you want to create your own? Uh, so what I've done is I have kind of created a little plan for the creation of a, of a hex map to do some future hex crawling. And uh, uh, I had been looking at a, a game, uh, Avalon Hill game. Uh, it's out of print called Source of the Nile. Uh, and it's great for hex generation. Um, although the river rules are kind of complex and I haven't, completely uh, been able to understand them. I am reading them. Uh, it's a nice uh, little uh, X generation uh, example. But uh, to be even more um, simple, I guess you could say, for an easier way of doing things, I started out with a, D a list with 12 options. And... Um, um, and I, and I messed around with that. And then I decided, well, you know what? What I need to really do is just throw in my mountain chains first and, and then not worry so much about when a mountain pops up. 
but uh, since mountains uh, uh, occur in, in generally in mountain chains, just go ahead and scope that part of the map out uh, ahead of time. And it's real simple. Each hex, um, uh, I do five miles per hex. You can do six or various, or you can do 24. It's all been done before, but I like, I kind of like the five mile hex. Uh, and, I, and I'll explain why it, it, it uh, the five mile hex goes along well with the rule book explanation of moving around. Um, and uh, that deserves a little bit of explanation too, if I can get to it, but, but, and maybe that'll be for the next episode. So, uh, all right. So I've, I've made, um, uh, some mountain chains and each heck, you know, you just draw a triangle, fill it in a black triangle or, uh, or dark gray. And then you can just do the, uh, regular triangle. That's not shaded in as a volcano if you want to that's just up to you so yeah I, I draw my my little mountains and then on a d12 i have uh i'm going to go ahead and go through each hex on the page i use eight and a half by 11 piece of paper because you can punch holes in it and put it into your three ring binder which i highly recommend uh you can get hex paper that has already been pre-numbered. However, there is a, a cool little technique that I learned <clears throat> from, uh, from I think it was looking at a website where I had seen a map that had been drawn in the early days by Rob Kuntz, who was a close friend of Gary Gygax. Uh, and, and, the way to do that is across the top of the page, uh, each row, uh, each column of hexes from top to bottom, I, I just throw down a, a letter A, B, C, D, E from left to right across the top. And then I um, do a, a kind of diagonal uh, from the top left all the way down on the sides there, a diagonal from, uh, I guess it would be northwest to north to southeast, northwest to southeast, a little diagonal. And and I start numbering, but I, I number from the bottom up. So I number one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to the top where the letter A would be nearby. And then, uh, so to determine the number for a hex, it would be a letter number combination. It could be B11. And so the uh, if you uh, if you extended that those hexes from northwest to southeast uh, all the way to the end of the paper, that is where you would put your eleven, and then uh, and then you would mark the numbers on both sides. So, and then each hex will have its own letter number combination. It's hard to explain uh, without really looking at it, but uh, there are maps out there and. Quite possibly, I can post either a link or an image or something. I'll try to put an image to show what I'm talking about as the uh, episode uh, image. Um, I'll make a note of that. Uh, this is episode nine. And the image <clears throat> uh, would be the uh, uh, hex map numbering. 
Maybe we can work that out. Okay, so, all right, then I get my D12. After I've done my mountain chains, I will start rolling the D12 for each hex. And so uh, number one will be uh, woods, a two will be hills, three will be swamp, four will be desert, five will be clear, six will be clear, seven will be a settlement. Now, and then I roll a separate D6 for the type of settlement. Eight will be clear, yes, clear. Nine will be woods, 10 will be hilly, 11 will be swamp, and 12 will be desert. So basically everything except for, everything gets a, a, a one in six chance of, of uh, existing other than a clear hex, which is three out of 12. And then one in 12 hexes will have some type of settlement on average. Um, for settlements, I roll a d6. For a one, it's a village. Uh, the population, I just roll a d6, multiply it by 100. Uh, for a town, uh, that would be a two. And yeah, you can roll a d6, multiply that by 1,000. 1,000 to 6,000. And then for a city, uh, that would be for uh, number three. Um, a castle would be number four. And and castles are kind of interesting because some of them can be ruined, right? So uh, I roll another d6 and a one out of six uh, for a castle would be a ruin. Uh, the castles are kind of explained also. Uh, very lightly touched upon in the Underworld and Wilderness Adventures Volume 3, uh, 2 uh, for encounters. But uh, ruins are, are fun because you can, uh, you can. Okay, sorry for that hiccup. So ruins, ruins uh, occur on a one out of six when you roll a castle, uh, which is one out of six uh, when you're rolling, rolling for a settlement. So you've got your uh, ruins. They can be fun for uh, stalking monsters and treasure and quests and all of that, all of that jazz. They can also be uh, used uh, for uh, dungeon crawls. You know, underneath the ruin are many levels of really cool dungeons that you can create yourself. And uh, at some point in time, uh, I'm going to you know, going to create one. Let's see. Uh, all right, so. You've got uh, you've got your map. You want to stock it. Uh, that's that is uh, one way to do it. The second way is to come up with a list of secrets and clues. And I really, re really, really recommend checking out the la uh, the Return of the Lazy Dungeon Masters workbook uh, for coming up with. Uh, secrets and clues that provide the party of players with a, a reason to be wandering around uh, the hex other than just for sheer exploration. And I was able to to come up with a kind of a, with a with an interesting plan for this uh, for this kind of thing. What I did was is I came up with twenty. A list of 20 different secrets and clues. And there are many ways to go about doing that. But a um, uh, list of 20. The first one involves uh, the players. Well, it's kind of an ongoing campaign where the, the group 
we meet a couple of times a year and, and play for a few days during a camp out. It's pretty cool. But, um, the, uh, they're, they're on a quest to obtain a, a magical artifact. And at the beginning of the next, uh, game, the artifact will be within their grasp, but, but will, will be, it will be stolen by a couple of scoundrels. It's actually a suit of magical armor. And uh, these two scoundrels um, are leaders of a group of brigands. So uh, these bandits, brigands, whatever you want to call them, they uh, have been placed on the hex map, the location, uh, and just randomly placed. And what I did was I took a, a blank hex map, and I took my t list of 20 secrets and clues, and each secret or clue has a location on the map. And I came up with uh, roughly 18 or so cool locations, just randomly throwing uh, dice on the map to uh, determine which hex uh, the uh, each location would be. And so... Uh, just a, a quick list of secrets and clues. So the two scoundrels that stole the artifact right, right before the uh, right, um, right at the uh, beginning of the adventure, uh, they steal the artifact. <laughs> well, one of them's wearing it actually, and they they step into a, a portal that transports them uh, and their pursuers to this uh, this new realm, the a new kingdom. I actually gave the kingdom a name. It's. Uh, it's the kingdom of Fernalia, as in paraphernalia. Anywho, uh, so the secrets and clues, a little list here. The first one is that the two scoundrels are leaders of a group of bandits. Two, they want to usurp the throne. All right, so there's a, there's a king that exists somewhere on this map, and they want to kill him. Uh, three, first, they will try to increase the size of their military force. And I figured, well, let's see, how would they do that? Well, the land is experiencing, um, they're, they're, it's a defeated kingdom. And there are, uh, there has been a famine and a plague and the military is just completely decimated. And there's a location where a group of unemployed veterans uh, have gathered. So the two scoundrels are going to try to get uh gain control of the unemployed veterans, there will be a location for them. Um, four, the, the bandits that they that the two scoundrels already lead uh, have a name. I gave them a name, the Dogs of Chaos. That could change, you know, uh, but they're going to be located somewhere. They'll have a hideout on the map. Uh, uh, the two scoundrels, at some point during the the game the party will learn that the two scoundrels have brutally slain a uh one of the king's champions who had previously been undefeated and of course they were able to defeat him uh by cheating because hey they're scoundrels right mm. and so they've slain the king's champion they've captured his squire so uh, the king's champion will have his own castle, uh, and it's now leaderless. Uh, and the squire will be located, and it's, that castle will be located somewhere on the map. 
uh, and his squire has been captured. So they're probably torturing him for information about the king's military weaknesses. Uh, and so he's going to be located uh, somewhere on the map. And in this, in this case, I picked the ruins of a, of a uh, castle. Uh, in another location, there's going to be a huge reward for the capture of the two scoundrels. And so the huge reward, well, it's got to have a place to, to, to be located. You've got to go collect your reward. Uh, you know, if you're going to defeat the two scoundrels um, and collect the reward, well, you've got to defeat them at a certain spot and take their heads to another spot so that the, the king can... Uh, Throw a big feast in your honor and give you the reward. Uh, eight, the king offers an, uh, an X amount of gold and gems and some magical items. So, yeah, that's part of seven. Uh, nine, the uh, the armor that, the, I guess, the... Um, the, the uh, the armor, yes, the magical artifact, uh, the armor, has a single weakness, something about a weeping statue. And so that statue will be located on a hex in the map somewhere. A 10, the elves and dwarves must be persuaded to join the forces of law against the scoundrels. So the elves are going to have a place on the map. The dwarves are going to have a place on the map. Uh, 11, obtain a sky sphere to defeat the two scoundrels. Okay, so the sky sphere uh, will be located somewhere on the map. Uh, Twelve, beware the dreaded snot gurgle of the Farthorn Forest. All right, well, now I've got a whole forest to, to throw down along with the lair of the dreaded snot gurgle, whatever. And I have not, <laughs> not determined what what the snot gurgle's special attacks or defenses are, but he's going to be really nasty. Uh, 13, you must find the Huckleberry Fairy, <laughs> the Huckleberry Fairy, and answer his riddles to obtain a magical cup. All right, so you got to look for this uh, fairy. He poses riddles. If you can guess his riddles, you'll get a magical cup. If you can use the cup, 14 to catch the tears of the weeping statue. Then you can pour the tears, number 15, onto the magical armor to diminish its power for a limited amount of time. All right, so that's how they're going to be able to, hopefully, if they if they can put the clues and secrets together, um, and it, it may work out that they find a completely different way to get what they want. But anyway, hey, it's a plan, right? And so we've got a location for the fairy that gives the riddles to the location of the cup. And the magic cup's got its own location. And then, uh, let's see. How do you... How, oh, yes. Uh, the cool thing about this magical artifact is, of course, it's absolutely corrupt. And over time, any human who wears it will be corrupted. Yeah, you got to throw that in. That's part of the whole generic fantasy trope, right? Uh, you don't want your players to have complete uh, all-consuming power. You've got to throw obstacles in their way so that they have an opportunity to gain experience and have fun. So yeah, you know, uh, so the coat of the coat of uh, extreme magic 
Well, the code of extreme magic. Extreme magic. Uh, well, yes, it can never be destroyed, but it can be dropped into the well of absolute zero. Uh-huh. So, yeah, and, and I, I think I found that uh, in a book called The Dungeon Dozen. There was a reference. I was just kind of flipping through back and forth looking for interesting interesting uh, items and places. And the well of absolute zero. Okay, so if anything is dropped in, it can never be retrieved. And so uh, that's got to have a location on the map. And then a couple of clues for my, uh, for my 19 and 20. One of the uh, scoundrels, it's a, it's a boyfriend-girlfriend team. The boyfriend is a, is a warrior. Uh, the girlfriend is a magic user. And she's got a jealous ex-boyfriend who happens to be a, a giant. And this giant lives uh, in a, a castle with his brothers. Uh, and they, um, they, of course, are completely evil and have been terrorizing a section of the map. So... Um, so yeah, lots of the different places, at least at least 15 different locations. Um, and of course, there are going to be uh, villages and towns and at least one city on the map somewhere. So so two different methods of generating a hex map. One is by rolling dice and filling in each hex. Uh, uh, and I forgot to, to mention the, the dice rolling method. Uh, you start with the D12, you roll it, let's say you get a forest, all right? So then you want to figure out where to go. Well, you can go clockwise around that particular central hex. So you start at the top, roll a D6 uh, on a 1 through 3, it's going to be a, it's going to be woods again. On a 4 through 6, uh, it could be anything else. So roll another D12 and, well, Boom, there's a, a desert. Uh, one of the rules that I kind of have for that is that the desert is never going to be near a forest. So there's, uh, if uh, let's say you have woods and then you roll in a hex, an adjacent hex, the, there's going to be a desert. Well, what I would do is just make it a, a clear uh, area, uh, kind of default to a clear. Then that way you don't have deserts right up a, a a budding uh, uh, forested, you know, area, just for, I guess, realism's sake. Um, what other thing? Oh, yes. So after that, uh, we've laid the, we've, we've put the the mountains on the map. We've given each hex something uh, in the form of terrain and or a settlement. Uh, then I throw the rivers in, and. Uh, I don't worry so much uh, about how I do that. I just kind of have fun and do a, a free form thing. And then I, then I take a ruler and use a red, of course the river is going to be in, in blue, a pencil. You want to get some art pencils. Uh, uh, rivers will be blue and then roads will be red. And, and there you go. You've got your map and you can begin populating uh your land area so each hex is five miles 
that's a, a, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper is going to be roughly 11,000 square miles, which is, it's uh, smaller than Scotland, larger than Wales. So you've got a very large area uh, to adventure in uh, and uh, you can have fun with that for a whole campaign. So two different ways. One is the use the dice to sort of randomly uh, place the, the terrain symbols on the map. And then the other way is to start with a list of secrets and clues. Uh, either way is legit. Either And uh, both ways are a lot of fun, actually. So uh, it's its own, really, the creation of the, of the terrain map to do ultimately for the hex crawl campaign uh, is its own little game. Uh, it's its own little referee's solo game, and it can be done fairly quickly, you know, in a, uh, a few hours if you get going really, really quick and, and aren't worried about uh, having everything absolutely perfect, which it shouldn't be about that anyway. So that's it for today. Uh, next time when I come back, I'm going to try to talk about something related to the hex map, which would be, um, I guess, stalking it if possible or movement. That's enough. That's actually probably what I want to do. I want to talk about movement across the map. That is an area of some confusion and it's, it's taken me a little while to kind of figure that out. Uh, but it can be done. And I really appreciate your time spent listening to this instructive audio recording. Best wishes.